Hey friends, this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous and I'm your host, Julia. And on today's show, I'm getting a little sentimental with you today because summer's coming to a close and one of my favorite movies of all times is The Sandlot. And one of my favorite humans in the entire world is here. My son, Jackson. This episode is sponsored by Rip It Official Core Collection is the base of anyone's closet who reps rip it. The shirt, hat, or hoodie that never leaves the rotation, even if it hasn't been washed in weeks. Now available, the Rip It Core shirt. You can find them at ripitofficial.myshopify.com. That's R-I-P-I-T-Official.myshopify.com. Or you can follow them on Instagram, Rip It Official. All right, now here we go to the show. Well, welcome to my show. Here I am. <laughs> here I am. That's well, I'm here. Well, you are. It's great. And we are here to talk about the Sandlot. Let's talk about the Sandlot because it is my favorite childhood movie, and. I think I was eight when it came out onto the screens. Have you publicly said your age on the podcast? Yes. Yes, okay. I have. Yeah. So that's like oh, you're so sweet. Oh, no. no, 92. It was 92. Funny. Yeah. Oh, wait. Did it come out in 93? I can get up. I'm going to Google right now. I'm going to ask the IMDb. 93. Okay, so it came out when I was nine. Was, that's age appropriate. That's age appropriate. Yeah. To, yeah. Okay. But I need to know. Do you remember? What? What? Do you remember the first time? Well, you actually won't remember the first time I made you sit through the Sandlot because you were a baby. Yeah, I was gonna say. I feel like I've probably been watching that movie since I was like a baby, so I wouldn't remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But when do you like? How old were you? Do you remember being the first time you saw like the first time it registered? I don't know if I remember a specific like first time that I saw it, but I do remember watching it at the Pina house on like when we had the chaise after grandma and grandpa had moved up. Uh huh. And I think, I don't think that was the first time I'd seen it. Cause I would have been about six at that point, but I remember watching it at that time, like in that time period. Yeah. Yeah. You were totally six years old. I love that because it's literally a defining movie of my childhood because the 60s because the sandlot for those of you who haven't seen it i don't understand why not do you live under a rock one two it takes place in the 60s so there's this level of freedom that the kids have and i feel like a similar level of freedom existed in the 80s and 90s in modesto in that time like where we live now i would never have been like oh sure my 10 year old child can go out and play in the streets well but i still did though i mean not when when i was home but when i was with grandma and grandpa ed they would let me just go out and wander with my friends yeah well they live in a neighborhood where that's allowed where that you can get away with that yeah i don't feel like the neighborhood in which we live now i would have been comfortable with that maybe if we were closer to the Durs area would be different because they're more secluded. That's true. Doesn't help when there's a liquor store across the street. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's convenient for adult mom, but not 
I mean, it's convenient for me too. <laughs> Wait, because you're buying candy, candy, and, chips and, and soda. soda. <laughs> it's clarify. Trying to well, get me. <laughs> I assume that would be implied, but I guess I guess not. I don't know. I'm rewatching Gossip Girl and those kids. They're drinking alcohol and ordering drinks. I'm just like, where do you live that you can do that? Not here. <laughs> That's true. Okay, so I have to know, do you have the same affection for this movie that your parents have? Probably not the same, but it's definitely a movie that I feel like I need to watch every summer at least once. It's a great summer film. Yeah, especially around the 4th of July. Why do you feel that it's great for 4th of July? I have I have my opinions. Well, it's essentially a fourth of like, it's not a fourth of July movie. It's a summer movie, but there's a very large portion of the movie about the fourth of July, like the night when they go out and play baseball, but also when they go to the fair Mm -hmm. and they like, you know, they get the chew or whatever. And they have that whole scene. It just feels like it's fourth of July or around that time. Yeah. Yeah. I love that scene where they're playing nighttime baseball and Smalls narrates and says, you know, it's the, the, the only time they feel like they're in the big leagues because it, the, there's enough fireworks in the sky to light up the sky to make it feel like you're under the lights of a, of, um, oh my God, baseball stadium. stadium. (laughs) (laughs) That was difficult. And I just, and it's such a great scene because it shows just how dedicated Benny is to the sport yeah when everyone else is still a kid okay (sighs) who's your favorite character I feel like my favorite character is probably Benny um just because I feel like he's one of the characters you get to know the most in the movie I there's not a whole lot of development for the majority of the characters in the movie besides Smalls and Benny yeah that's true I feel like they are kind of the central friendship. Yeah. Again, for those of you who have never seen the movie, I don't understand why you haven't yet. Um, But Smalls moves to this neighborhood in LA, in the LA region. And is, yeah, isn't it LA? Because they're obsessed with the Dodgers. Why else would you be obsessed with the Dodgers if you didn't move to LA? I mean, there are plenty of people here who are obsessed with the Dodgers. I guess yeah, we can but... just assume that it's in the California area, probably Southern California, unless they say it's in LA. I feel like they say it in the beginning where, where it takes, they moved to, or maybe they still only, maybe he only narrates that they moved from. Listen, I've been watching this movie for how long? And I don't know this answer concretely. Well, Google says it's San Fernando Valley. Okay. That's Southern California. Yeah. Thanks, Google. <laughs> so let's talk about Benny then. Okay. Do you think that he he has you said he has the most character development? Yeah. So does that make him the lead of the movie? Well, he has the most character development outside of our main character Smalls because we get to see his family and his home life and other aspects of his life aside from baseball and them hanging out. I feel like we get more about Benny because we learn he's dedicated to baseball and it's like one of the key points of his character. And I think the only other character that um, gets development is oh, what's Squints, right? Oh, yeah, Squints. Because he tries to, or he does kiss the lifeguard. I can't remember her name. Like Wendy Peppercorn, yeah. my darling lover girl. <laughs> That's 
literally what he calls her. I, yeah, but <laughs> I feel like those are the only characters that get any real, like we get any scenes that show traits of themselves outside from we all play baseball together and we kind of need to like fit into that image. I don't know. Yeah it's an ensemble but there's more it's not true it's not a true ensemble in that they don't all get the same attention for the character growth right i get that you know okay this is really awkward to say to my child (laughs) um i had the biggest crush on benny as a kid because he was just like the cutest and he was like you know he got into that pickle in the beginning of the movie and then he got out of the pickle which was totally foreshadowing yeah by the way um yeah i picked that up the last time we watched the movie actually i finally like realized that it finally clicked (laughs) um and then when he showed up in the mighty ducks second mighty ducks movie oh he is in that movie huh yeah because you know i'm watching these quote in real time because that's you know that's my adolescence and my youth right there my my youth and my adolescence happening right so so to see him in those two movies it it was just kind of like oh my god Mike Vitar is so cute that's not how I said it but that's me impersonating my 12 year old self right it's <laughs> great you're impressed I can tell <laughs> I would have to say my favorite character. I love Hamilton. I oh, think the the catcher, right? Yeah, Hamilton the Babe Porter. I forgot I forget that his full name is Hamilton. Yeah. Long ball porter. And then, <laughs> then <laughs> sorry. So I was just gonna start quoting the movie right now, which is super weird. It's or not. Weird. Or not. Um, because he's got so much confidence. You know the scene where he goes up to bat smalls is new right mm-hmm. to the to the group he goes up to bat and um he's narrating he's um you know he's doing the talk for himself you know how the the announcer will get on the radio and be like oh you know number 50 blah blah blah, and you know yeah. all these details or whatever and he does that for himself he does the hamilton hamilton the babe porter long ball porter and then he's talking to de Nunes, you know who was also in the mighty ducks movies um yeah, i remember him more clearly being in the mighty ducks movies because he was in the first one yeah was he in the second one i don't remember the first one's really the only one i've seen more than twice i think oh i'm failing you as a parent well i always feel like you were of the opinion or you were of the opinion that the first one was like the only really good one and the rest were kind of just okay. The first one is really, really good. It's so well done. And then the second one is okay. And then the third one's just trash. Yeah. <laughs> like, why did you make this third one? And the third one, they're going up against like high school hockey teams, but they just come off a oh, junior Olympics win. Like, how does that make any sense? This is not, this is not a competition. They're the world champion. But okay, Disney, whatever you want. I still. (laughs) It's not not like that's a new thing for for Disney. You know, in Boy Meets World, they go from being in seventh grade to like freshman in high school. Oh, that's true. That was a quick. I remember that. But still, it just I'm not. a. It was just so frustrating because 
they were the junior Olympics champs. It is so hard. Anyway. Okay. That's not a tangent we need in this back to Hamilton. And then I also love that he was kind of the enforcer. So do you remember the scene where the kids, the, the actual like little league team yeah, with their, that, perf- that's my favorite scene with him in it really where he's like kind of not harassing, but like that, like banter where he's kind of like poking fun at them while they're at the plate. Yeah. That's one of the scenes that always sticks out to me the most. And when they show up to the Sandlot, Yep. And that line, you play ball like a girl. And then they all just kind of like shut up. And I like, you know, it's funny to watch now, you know, in 2021 or whatever and be like, well, you know, you see it differently than you would have in 1993. But still, it's just like such a funny scene. And I love that scene. And for 19, I think it's 1964 that this film takes place. 63, right. 64 around there. So, so the reason why I feel like that line still works is because we had very antiquated, what we can refer to now as antiquated mm-hmm. gender roles in the sixties that women were trying to break out of. So like right. there was still this concept in the sixties that like women were weaker. And so to, I, I've never been a little boy, so you can speak probably better this to this than I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, I don't know, because you're in a different generation than these little boys, yeah. but there's something about like that as an insult that just is really, really like shocking. Yeah. I don't think it's as like shocking as it would have been in the sixties Correct. now, but I think even now still as a little boy, if you get called that, you know, that can still have like a not detrimental effect, but you'd still be like shocked or upset if someone said you played ball like a girl. Yeah. Even though even though girls can totally play baseball in like the most amazing way, <laughs> and um, you know, the All American Girls Baseball League showed us that, even though it no longer exists, but that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> so, is that scene with Hamilton the only favorite scene you have, or do you have other favorite scenes? Um, well, I guess I'd have to try and like recall more of the movie, but that is one of the ones that sticks out to me the most when I think of that movie, because mm-hmm. with the music in the background and like the, how quickly they're going through all these different matters of them getting tagged out. And it's not just that scene where he's like, you know, like harassing them a little bit. It's just that whole scene of them playing where mm-hmm. they just like, you know, essentially kick the pants off of these um, like little league kids who like to act like they're better than, you know, the kids from the Sandlot. And I think I just I just love that scene. It's a great montage scene too, to sort of demonstrate how great the team is that Benny built. You know, they're these ragtag neighborhood kids who are just sort of scruffy around the edges. And then, you know, the prim polished little league team can't beat them. (laughs) Yeah. And do, I don't think we ever see the little league team in that movie outside of their uniform. I think they're always in their uniform whenever we see them yeah is that a thing like I don't think so like the only time I ever see you know people who play sports in their uniforms outside of whatever sport event it is is at school when it's like they have a game that day mm-hmm. or it's like um like a spirit day where it's like oh where your you know school clothing wear yeah and you'll so- get like extra credit or something in some classes so when I was in high school, they would wear their jerseys on game day, but not like the full jersey, right? Like, and I don't even think the baseball players would wear their jerseys, to be honest, but the football players would, which I always, yeah. Okay, we get it. You play football. <laughs> they they uh, still do that. And I think they're encouraged to do that. I don't know. Oh, it's been a long time since I've been in high school. So, 
Another favorite scene that I have is, well, we know we talked about the fireworks um, at the night game, but then also the scene. So there's nine of them. I can't remember all of their names off the top of my head, which really bothers me actually, because I've seen this movie. I literally have the movie movie memorized. Um, so there's nine of them right. and there's a character. Yeah. Yeah. Who mm. he's always like, yeah, yeah. And then says whatever he needs to say in the movie. Smalls moves to this neighborhood. He has no friends. His mom's like, you have to make friends. You have to spend the summer making friends. Like you can't stay inside all summer, which is hilarious because fast forward 60 years and we're like, you to our children, we're like, you can't go outside. It's not safe. Anyway, so he makes friends with Benny, Benny the Jet Rodriguez, because his nickname is important. We'll get back to it later. And Benny brings him into this circle of friends, which is the Sandlot crew who are down a player because they only have eight because somebody moved away. So now Smalls makes nine and now they have the perfect size for a team. So throughout the movie, they get into, you know, normal kids, scrapes, whatever. (laughs) But there's this dog who lives in the house behind the sandlot and they're terrified of the dog. When you were little, were you ever scared of the dog? No, I just wanted to pet the dog. (laughs) Oh, that's cute. Did I ever tell you about the time I met one of the dogs who played that dog in the movie? Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that. If you could like go into more detail. I don't really have a whole lot. (laughs) My dad had his, what was it? So every year there's like a family, not a family. They do some sort of picnic for employees every year. And it still happens to this day. And so we didn't always typically go, but this year we went, I think I was. 13 and um there's this guy there with this dog that looks like the sandlot dog and i'm just you know we're chatting whatever and then he asks we're talking about the dog and he's like oh yeah she has movie credits and we're like what and he explains that she's one of the dogs in the sandlot because they used multiple dogs which makes perfect sense because you wouldn't necessarily want to stick to one dog, especially with all of the action that happens with the dog towards the end of the film. Um, but it, she was the sweetest, slobberiest, just the cutest, huge. And granted, I was 13 at the time, so I wasn't very tall. Um, but it just she was just so sweet. She just loved everybody. Um, but that was really cool. And now I can't remember her name. What was her name? And why was that guy there? Whatever. Is that enough detail for you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I was just, cause I knew that you had, you told me that you had met the dog, but I never knew why or like under what circumstances. Oh yeah. Grandpa's work was having a barbecue and it's just, yeah. So random. It's so random now when I think about it back on it, 24 ish years later, cause I'm just, again, like, why was that guy there? Who was he related to somebody? I have no idea. He actually could have been full of shit because it looked exactly like the dog in Sandlot. He could have just been full of shit. Well, I guess you could look up the credits of the movie on IMDb. Maybe. Would they have them the for name? a dog? I think so. If I don't know. If the dog's important enough in the movie. Maybe. Maybe. Um, anyway, all that to say, to get back to one of my favorite scenes. So yeah, yeah, 
it, so so Small's stepdad is played by Dennis Leary, who Dennis Leary is an amazing actor. Like this movie is stacked with great adult actors, right? I don't know if you feel that way because I don't know, but I think that way because James Earl Jones is in it. Dennis Leary is in it. Karen Allen is in it. And they all have like incredible resumes. James Earl Jones, I think, is the only one that I actually could have recognized out of every, out of, as like an actor outside of that movie. Um, is that because of all of the movies that we've seen him in? I think part of that and then also just the amount of work he's done and also he was Darth Vader. Yeah. So I'd probably like I reckon I'd recognize him from that. And then just he's been in so much other work that I've seen. Mm-hmm. That I would recognize him outside of that movie. Whereas a lot of the actors, especially the adults in that movie, I wouldn't have been able to go, oh, I think I remember seeing them in the sandlot if we were watching another movie. Mm. Yeah. And Dennis Leary's body of work isn't necessarily something that I'm gonna be like, hey kid, let's sit down and watch this movie today. <laughs> I mean, he's not a terrible, it's not bad stuff. It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, not necessarily things I'm going to be like, I feel like this would be a great movie. Just didn't watch with my child. (laughs) (laughs) But you should totally look into some of the work he's done. He was in the early Spider-Man. Was he in the early Spider-Man or was he in the Spider-Man with uh, um, Andrew Garfield? I don't know. I think I've only seen the first one of the... um... The first and the third of the original Spider-Man movies. With Tobey Maguire? Yeah. Yeah. It's the only one's really worth watching until um, Tom Holland shows up anyway. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Andrew Garfield. So, back to my scene. So, Yaya is like... You know what? Yaya, when we were kids, I always thought Yaya kind of looked like my brother. Really? Yeah. I guess I haven't seen enough pictures of Uncle when he was younger to see that i'm gonna pull out a picture and show you and you're gonna be like yeah that's totally yeah yeah so yeah so so smalls has the stepdad date played by dennis leary and he goes out of town and he and so part of the subplot of the movie is that dennis leary is going to teach smalls how to play baseball right and smalls is kind of brainy he loves science stuff we see him playing with an erector set in the beginning of the movie blah 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 so then Smalls gets, they lose a baseball and Smalls is like, I have a baseball. Spoiler alert, the baseball is signed by Babe Ruth, but Smalls doesn't understand why that's important, which is adorable because I feel like everybody understands. Well, I don't know about in 1963, but now everybody knows that Babe Ruth is a significant baseball figure. They're talking about Babe Ruth when he first gets introduced into like the group. That's true. And that's like the opening joke. And that's how it sets up, you know, that joke when they're like, Babe Ruth goes, that's the same guy. Because when they introduce him, you know, uh, Hamilton is doing an impression of the great Bambino. Yeah. And Smalls goes, oh, I misheard you. I thought you said the great Bambi. And they go, oh, that wimpy deer. And, you know, so it sets up that whole joke about Babe Ruth. Yeah, because they do kind of the Sultan of Swat the king of crash, the colossus of clout, clout, the colossus of clout. That's <laughs> Jimmy, Tommy, Timmons. Sorry. Shall we just have me reenact the whole movie? No, just kidding. Um, anyway, so yeah. So, so Smalls is like, I've got, I've got a ball. I've got you covered. Don't worry. 
runs home, grabs the ball signed by Babe Ruth, which just breaks my heart every single time, and then just slams it out of the sandlot into the yard where the dog is this terrifying creature because throughout the entire movie there's a buildup about how scary this dog is right so they're trying to figure out how to get the baseball back and they build this sort of like bungee situation yeah remember this they get like a which with the rope and he's like on he's like in the catcher's gear yes and they lower him down yes and I just, I lo- that scene is so funny to me because he comes face to face with the dog and is terrified. <laughs> but I think that's the first time we really see the dog in its full form. Cause we see like imaginings, what they imagine the dog, like a huge paw, you yeah. know, this huge it- creature. So the um, like camp out scene is before that, right? Yes. Okay. I always get the order of some of the scenes confused. Yeah, that's I, it's understandable. So in the campout scene, if you remember, they're trying to so Hamilton the Babe Porter in the middle part of the movie hits a ball home run into that same yard with the big scary dog. Right. And bet and Smalls plays um left field, so he's like I can get the ball. And, and they're like, no, don't do it. And then he's trying to climb the fence. And then this big, scary dog makes all this noise. And they're like, we have to, okay, camp out. We have to explain this to him. And then Squints, as everybody knows. Yeah, everybody knows Squints. Who later was on Gilmore Girls, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you listening and getting tired of me drawing everything back to Gilmore Girls. Squints was on Gilmore Girls. He loses a hand in the Navy. Anyway, um, he does um squint shares this story about this big terrifying dog and we learned that the sandlot was probably a junkyard at one point you know anyway i just love that scene you don't think that's a great scene when they look yeah, i i like the later part in that scene when the vacuums start to back up because the dog pinches the pipe yeah and then it blows up and like um i think yeah yeah comes out right or no um, no it's Tommy, the older one, or is it Timmy? Right. Whatever. One, one of them. One of the one Timmons. Of those names, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he comes out and he's covered in dust, and he goes. I think he says, "Guys, I think we need a new plan or something." We've like been that. going about this all wrong. Yeah. I that's like I think that's my favorite part of that scene, which is yeah. would make sense because that's like the build up for the whole scene is they're getting to that point. Yeah. And they try everything. They try everything. Oh, I just. Just such a great movie. Do you have a favorite quote? Well, I don't know if I have a favorite quote, but I remember a few years ago when, and maybe this has always been a popular thing, and I just didn't notice it until a few years ago, but I don't mm-hmm. see it as much anymore. When everyone was wearing the "You're killing me" small shirts, yeah, with ham with ham on them, yeah. I, I don't like. I don't know. I just I remember seeing. I I remember seeing at least one of those shirts every few days during the summer. Yeah. Like, maybe 2016 2017 you're killing me smalls you chew it of course do you know where that quote that's from what part of the movie (laughs) it's when he goes s'more what i haven't had anything yet no (laughs) it's when he offers him cha when he's offering him the tobacco cha i've been saving this for a good time and then and then smalls is like what's that and or 
and then you know they're like it's and then um what's his face smells it and he's like big chief the best and yeah. then smalls is like what do you do with that and then ham's like you're killing me smalls you chew it of course <laughs> oh man i just feel like you need to have this movie movie memorized just like i do okay i have i have a lot of it memorized you've been there's watching just, there's just a few scenes that i mix up a little bit okay all right whatever i think you're killing me smalls is probably the most famous quote of the whole movie yeah like well, that's I guess my favorite quote probably would be um, when Squints is telling the story and at the end he goes, forever. Yes. Like, I think that's my favorite quote because my friends and I would quote it to each other all the time. Yeah. We don't so much anymore, but maybe a year ago or maybe two. Yeah. Oh, man. I just keep thinking of all these different. That's the deep end and Squints can't swim. (laughs) (laughs) So there's this there's this lifeguard. Wendy Peppercorn, Squince's darling lover girl. And she goes to the, she's the lifeguard at the pool. And, you know, Benny only ever agrees to go to the pool when it's a super hot day. And so there's this scene where he's finally like, he can't take, Squince can't, he's in love with her. He can't take, he literally says, I can't take it anymore. Move. And then, you know, he's like, she's lotioning and oiling and just kind of just can't. Right. And then he decides to jump into the pool. And then one of the Timmons says, that's the deep end. I don't know what he's doing, but that's the deep end and squints can't swim. And he jumps into the deep end and Wendy saves his life, quote, saves his life. And then he uses it as a ploy to make out with Wendy because she's performing CPR. I don't, is that like problematic or am I just being like, I, I think it's so funny and I don't know if now it's still funny. You know what I mean? I think if that movie came out today, it would have been like a cheap joke, especially with the way that they make movies now, it would have probably been like in a more like Seth Rogen kind of like raunchy style comedy. Oh yeah. And I think it wouldn't work as well. Yeah. Cause there's something very innocent about the way he does that, the way he, ploys to do that yeah i mean i i still feel i think a little uneasy when i see that scene well not uneasy but it's like really you know yeah but at the same time i you know it's like the movie came out in 93 it's about the 60s like you know there's a certain lens that you have to view it with right and what's funny enough what's funny now is they don't even train you to do that anymore because it doesn't do anything oh yeah the in their mouth the breathing into the mouth yeah it's all about compressions right yep do you remember that episode of the office when Dwight cuts off the face of the mummy. Yeah. And then but he, like gets in trouble. Yes. But I just always thought it was funny that um, she's the gal tells him like, oh, to the beat of staying alive. Yeah. And then Michael does it to the beat of not staying alive. Well, isn't it's too staying alive, but he starts to like sing the rest of the song and she just goes, no, no, just the ha, 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 staying alive. It's- <laughs> And, but, and then he's like, oh, okay. But like, he's like kind of sarcastic about it. I'm like, like kind of moody about it. Right. Because he just was moody in that episode the whole time. So in the movie, the boys roam the neighborhood and have like a lot of freedom that comes with, you know, a safe neighborhood and they're having fun and all this stuff. Do you, and I know that they've made like a thousand and one sequels since the original came out. I haven't seen any of them because no. two sequels. Is there only two? I think so. I could be it, wrong. I mean, I don't know. IMDb will tell us if we look it up again, but I feel like we've done that a lot tonight. 
Do you think that a movie about kids playing like this, like they do in Sandlot, could exist in the modern era? Wait, sorry, I'll repeat the question. Oh, geez, you're not paying attention. I was, I was looking it up and it, it looked, yeah, it looks like there's two sequels, The Sandlot 2 and The Sandlot Heading Home. And The Sandlot Heading Home is the one that I've seen of the sequels. And You've... it was, it wasn't good. Oh, I'm just so sad that you had to experience that. Well, I wanted to watch The Sandlot and I looked it up. And at the time, I don't think it was on any of the streaming services that we had. Mm-hmm. And, but that one was on there. I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll see what that one's like. And I watched it and I did not like it and I wouldn't watch it again. Um, we have three copies on the DVD. Do we? I feel yeah. like we used to, well, we used to lose DVDs like every other year. That's also true. <laughs> and grandpa would just like, I remember one year we had like a copy, bought a copy of the Guardians of the Galaxy, I think volume two. Uh-huh. And then grandpa like was like, we came, we went over to his house and he's like, here, take this. And it was just like a scanned copy of the movie and it had like you know how we used to have all those movies with like the black and white like photocopied covers yeah Yeah. (laughs) which is not illegal because we did not distribute them we kept them for ourselves (laughs) yeah yeah um okay so my question do you think that a movie like this with the same sort of level of freedom that these kids had in 1963 yada 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 could exist in the modern era like about the modern era you know you take the concept of the sandlot and drop it into 2021 would it still work well have you did you ever watch mid 90s i didn't i really wanted to see it in the theater and then what happened i think it was house sitting for your auntie and i and i couldn't get to the theater to see it or something i don't know but i really wanted to see it because mid 90s that's my you know that's my I think early really adolescence like yeah but I watched it recently and watching it I, I kind of felt like this is a more definitely not a movie that you can watch when you're eight or six sure it's like it's that same kind of idea and I think it totally could work today because I feel like that's a little bit older but that's kind of a lot of what me and my friends do when we're in the neighborhood is we kind of mm-hmm. just roam around and have fun and kind of do whatever mm-hmm. one issue that I have with a lot of like newer movies is that when they try to appeal to a mass market, they just do a raunchy comedy. Mm. And I don't appreciate that much, that, that much. Like, um, I think it was a Seth Rogen movie. Uh, I think it's called good boys. Oh yeah. I didn't, we saw the trailer for that when we went and saw book smart and I was like, that is not a movie I will take you to see, which bums me out because I love going to see like dumb comedies with you because you're the only person who's going to appreciate it. Like all of my other friends, you're not my friend, but you know what I mean? All the other moviegoers in my life are going to be a little bit more of a sophisticated film experience than that. And so after the trailer, I was like, this is not a movie I can see with my 16 year old. (laughs) Well, I think that movie came out a few years ago, but I watched it like maybe a year ago. And I liked it. It was a good movie, but you know, it didn't, it didn't have that same feel of like um, the Sandlot or, oh, what's that other one? Rookie of the year. No, not rookie of the year. It's not a sports movie, but it's that it's the one where the kids like they go and they like, they, they like follow the train track. Oh, stand by me. Stand by me. Yeah. Yeah. It's based on a short, short story. It didn't have that same kind of like, um, not sophisticated feel but like that same kind of like um serious tone yes but there's also an innocence to them right and that too yeah because the kids have you know they're young and they're 
grab and they're all they're both coming because Sandlot's kind of coming of age in a way and I th- I think that's true about mid-90s too mm-hmm. um and I like that's I love that movie it, it doesn't have it's kind of similar to Sandlot and that it doesn't have like too much of a plot like it, there's definitely a plot mm-hmm. there is more so in the Sandlot than there is in mid-90s but what I like about mid-90s is that same kind of like your main character oh, I can't remember his name I think his nickname is Sunburn okay you know he's like he's like 10 I think oh okay I didn't realize he was that young yeah so he's still very young but he's hanging out with these older friends and he's kind of like getting brought up into like being a teenager I guess Mm -hmm. really quickly and we kind of see in the movie like why maybe that isn't such a great thing to be happening and by the end of the movie you can kind of see how everyone in the group is kind of like yes we're still his friend and like we still love this kid sunburn but at the same time we probably should have been more responsible in how we were treating him Mm. because he is so much younger than we are but it's that same kind of innocence through the eyes of our main character so it's got like the nice youthful innocent feel Mm -hmm. but maybe they're dealing with more complicated stuff yeah well like they like encourage him to like drink and smoke yeah. You know, he's like 10 years old, but also, you know, when you watch the movie, it's, it's not like they're telling everybody like, this is what you should be like doing with your friends who are younger than you or anything like mm-hmm. that. It's just like, this is what life was like for us being like growing up as like in the skater community in the nineties and kind of like a restrictive town. You, well, I yeah. think they're in LA, but still. It's but you still, know, I mean, there's parts of LA that probably feel like they're crushingly suffocating. Yeah. Which makes me think about all of the like really interesting and fun cult classic movies of the 90s that I probably should have exposed you to. Like what? Airborne. Mm. I'm not talking dogs. It's a, it's a, you know, the guy's a rollerblader, so lame, mm. but. <laughs> I mean, you always say that, but rollerblading isn't that lame. Okay. Agree to okay. disagree. In hindsight, that movie's probably a terrible movie. I think it's a Disney movie, actually, which is ironic because, you know, they did the dog airborne movies. But, you know, he's this airbud. Oh, yeah. Okay. That is airbud. You're right. Oh, my God. I forgot Jack Black was in it. That's kind of the best. Seth Green's in it. I didn't know that. Okay. So this kid moves to somewhere and he loves to surf and rollerblade and. Okay, here's what the description says on IMDb. Mitchell Goosen is a 16, 17-year-old kid from California who loves to surf and rollerblade, yet his parents, who are two zoologists, which I'm going to be honest, I didn't know that his parents were zoologists. (laughs) You don't get that from the film. We're given a grant to work in Australia. The only problem was Mitchell couldn't go with them, so he gets sent to stay with his aunt and uncle and cousin in Cincinnati, Ohio. When he arrives, he meets his cousin, who is also who is also his new roommate for the next six months, Wiley, which I think is played by, who I think is played by South Green. Mitchell then goes to school and gets on the bad side of the high school hockey team. Mitchell and Wiley end up enduring weeks of torture from the guys. Then the big guys and Mitchell and Wiley have to learn to get along to try and beat the central high school rivals in a competition down Devil's Backbone, which they have to like rollerblade down. Yeah, that's why rollerblading comes into play. <laughs> this movie, it's 
Sounds like a 90s movie. It is a 90s movie. And like, it's super chill. And then there's another one. I think Rad actually is from from the 80s. Hmm. I just found that DVD the other day. Man, the 90s were a great decade for, for, for like high school kid movies or like just kid movies because Sandlot came out, Mighty Ducks came out, Rookie of the Year, Airborne, Encino Man. Oh, I was trying to think of the name of that movie, Encino Man, because we watched, when you were describing Airborne, I was like, that kind of sounds similar to Encino Man in the same kind of way that it would be like silly and fun. In that yeah. Tone. Yeah, it really was. It was a great era for films. All right, well, let's go back to talking about the Sandlot now. <laughs> Tell me why you love the Sandlot. Because I've been watching it for as long as I can remember. So I indoctrinated you. Is that what you're telling me? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing I picked the Sandlot, not something heinous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a great movie. It is a good movie. Why do you love it? Because I've been watching it forever and it's just something that I associate, I guess, just, I don't know. I just love the movie. You can't explain it. You love it so much. Sure. That's okay. okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> he says, sure. Every time he says, sure, my soul dies a tiny bit. <laughs> so you've already seen, you've only seen one of the other sequels. Oh, I'm yeah. going to tell you why I love Sandlot. Okay. Because it's, I think it's a timeless classic. Mm. And yes, it came out when I was eight years old, nine years old. And there's something just so nostalgic about it that works for it. It's not nostalgic in a way that makes you feel like you missed something Mm -hmm. if you didn't experience that kind of freedom as a kid. But it's also like got a great ensemble group feel like all the kids worked really well together. Like if they didn't like each other off screen, you wouldn't have known it. Yeah. Did you want to be any one of the characters? Benny. <laughs> See, I mean, and I, I go ahead. Well, you know, I want like, especially when I, we first started watching the Sandlot, you know, I wanted to play baseball and then eventually I did play baseball. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to be like Benny because I wanted to be, you know, the best baseball player and I wanted to be fast, but I also wanted to be like charismatic and have all my friends look up to me, you know, in that kind of way that they do to Benny. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Benny is kind of just like, if, if you're a kid, who plays baseball even if you don't play baseball and you're just like a kid and you want people to look up to you he's kind of like that perfect role model because he's understanding about his friends but he's also um dedicated to like what he loves which is baseball Mm -hmm. and he's just like a good character i think if you're looking for someone to look up to that's similarly aged to you because a lot of times in tv shows and stuff even in kids shows you know, the main characters are like whiny or, and I think maybe this is more true for like kids TV when I was growing up, mm-hmm. like, um, but you know, the main characters are kind of whiny and they're guided by their, by the adults or the adults are kind of um, not fully present and they're kind of goofy and they don't have a lot of authority. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, in the Sandlot, the adults are there, they have authority, they're like a real threat, but they're not like overbearing. You know, you can tell that the parents don't hate their kids or anything like that right and it's just but they're stern like he's terrified to tell his stepdad the truth about the baseball like that's yeah. a real thing he's not like oh my stepdad's dumb or my mom's you know not attentive like he's genuinely 
like what am I going to do? And then James Earl Jones comes in with the save. But again, James Earl Jones's character, like you say, he's authoritative and strong, but he has a guiding hand. Yeah. Which is a great twist at the end, by the way, finding out that James Earl Jones's character played baseball with Babe Ruth and that he had this really promising career and had all this amazing stuff. And then they developed this relationship with this guy. I loved that. That's something I didn't note for us to talk about. I just felt like that was a really great way to button up the movie of that that part of the storyline of the dog being this terrifying dog and it turns out hercules is just a big old teddy bear mm-hmm. and james Earl jones's character is just like this super awesome super sweet guy but people are scared of him because he doesn't really socialize <laughs> i think the ending of that of the sandlot is what makes it such a great movie you know if they if they if it had stayed the same throughout the whole thing and then we get to the end and you know he had been like a horrible guy and mm-hmm. old and crotchety and the dog had been just this mean old dog that like they helped it but it was still kind of like growling and barking at them in the end i think it would have made it such a worse movie and it wouldn't be regarded in the way that it is now that's a good point because it, it really gives you that feeling of um you know when you're a kid you kind of get in your own head about certain things and it kind of makes you remember that it's all about you know your own perspective and mm-hmm. you know maybe when you're a kid you like to see things a certain way because they're easier to understand and it takes less effort but it's not it's not like the way things actually are mm. but it's it's more fun to believe them that way i guess yeah i mean you're not wrong because the the reimagining that they do of the dog you know we get this big picture we see this huge creature huge paws Mm-hmm. And then when, you know, Yaya is on the other side face to face with them, you're just like, oh, that's a normal sized dog. Yeah. Like to, but to the children, it's this great monster. I also love how in the beginning of the movie, you know, it's a, a stepdad situation and which is totally common for women to remarry somebody because, you know, we, we weren't allowed to work for a long time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I love how she's encouraging of them to have a relationship like please make time for my child right i love that and even before i had you that was something that i loved because you know you see all these scenarios and you hear about all these things about like step parents not being super involved and or moms like choosing the partner over their children kind of situation but i love how she's like trying to help her son and her husband have a relationship and then by the end of the film they've clearly have this really strong bond and i just love that what makes sandlot so timeless well i feel like that's kind of a directed question that, that assumes that i think that sandlot okay is a timeless do movie. you think that sandlot is a timeless movie yes and no i think that it's a movie that you can watch you can show children forever. And as long as baseball is a game, or even if it's not a game, you know, you can really just get in and enjoy the, like, not the campiness of it, but like the funness of being a child in the sixties and playing Mm -hmm. baseball. But also I think that it's a movie like a lot of movies that if you didn't grow up watching it, when you're older, you can still appreciate it, but you're not going to have that like same kind of connection to it. Mm. 
And I, I think for a movie to be like truly timeless, it has to be accessible at any age. I mean, not that's not always true. <laughs> that's your dog. Yeah. Something's happening outside. But I think, you know, for a movie to be truly timeless, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily have to be accessible to all ages. You know, like someone could argue that The Godfather is a timeless movie. Mm-hmm. You definitely aren't going to show that to your six-year-old. Correct. I think The Sandlot is a timeless movie if you watch it when you're a kid. I think if you watch it when you're older, like, oh, that was a good movie, but I'll probably never watch it again unless I have kids. That's if somebody comes into it as an adult, you're saying? Yeah. That makes me sad for those adults. <laughs> well, I don't know. I could <sighs> be wrong. I don't know. No, your opinion is valid. I support it. I And I'm, I'm the adult who watched the movie from eight years old nine years old on mm-hmm. right like it was important to me that I was present for the first time you watched that movie and should I mean and and was a minute you could sit up <laughs> like, <laughs> we're watching Sandlot because it was such a huge part of my summers it's funny that you bring up it being a summer movie because it was a huge part of my summers you know if it was too hot to play outside sit inside and watch the movies that I watched during the summers in succession because we owned them on laser disc, which ladies and gentlemen, my father recently found the laser disc player. So that's fun. Sandlot, Rookie of the Year and Mighty Ducks. Those were on rotation. Like those were my summer films, which I wouldn't necessarily say Mighty Ducks is a summer film because it takes place in the winter. <laughs> but again, it's an ensemble cast with a bunch of kids. And, and it has that sort of feel to it when you live in a neighborhood that doesn't have a lot of kids and you see this group of a lot of kids, you're just like, yeah, I want to be a part of a lot of kids. Yeah. It's such a great movie. Do you think they'll ever attempt to remake it? Well, I think they've tried and failed. Well, I feel like the sequels don't count because those are like well, sequels. No, the, um, the, the Sandlot heading home I don't think is, I'm pretty sure it is a remake, not a sequel. But why would you call it The Sandlot Heading Home if it's a remake? Well, I'm trying to, you could, you could, well, but without our, you know, saying it like that, you could say, why would they call it Spider-Man Homecoming if it's not a sequel, right? Like it's still, it's a Spider-Man movie, but it's its own movie. It's like a remake of the Spider-Man movies. It's not a sequel to the Tom... Um, yes, yes, yes. Andrew Garfield movies are. Yeah, yeah. Toby Maguire. Yeah. Toby Maguire. Okay, I see where you're going with that, and I will argue. I don't agree. Okay. Because in Sandlot heading home, is it Benny, and Smalls? No. And Hamilton. No. I don't think so. Well, okay, so it looks like the. Young Tommy, they have. Uh... When you were playing baseball, you are you were super fast. Yeah, because your coach would develop plays specifically for you because he knew that other kids wouldn't be able to outrun pitchers. Right. Yeah, Benny Rodriguez is one of the characters, so it is a remake. Ah. Uh... Or no, I think he's no. He comes back, and if I remember, he 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 comes back, and he's like the coach. Oh. So it is a sequel, but I, one, I don't think it's the same actor. Because who, who plays him? 
uh, Mike Vitar, who uh, was yeah. super adorable in Mighty Ducks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's played by Danny Nucci. And he, one, he doesn't look like him at all. Yeah. And two, his haircut is terrible. <laughs> so the guy that plays Grown Up Benny, because the movie ends, for those of you who haven't seen it, and still again, I ask you, why not? It ends with, we learn that Benny becomes a professional baseball player for the LA Dodgers. And Smalls is an announcer for the stadium. And we see grown-up Benny get in a pickle and steal home. Guess I ruined it for you because the movie came out in 1993 and you should have seen it by now. Smalls is so proud of him. And Benny looks up at the box and it's this great moment. You have to watch it. But the actor that plays grown-up Benny passed away. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. That. A while ago, yeah. But you know what I would love to see? Because you know how they did a Mighty Ducks new version? Like the series? Yeah. And I love the way that they tied in the original and some of the original cast. I just, I really thought it was such a great new chapter for that franchise. Yeah, It would be really cool to see, because some of the actors are all grown up now and still acting. Like, I know that Squints is still acting. I don't know if Mike Vitar is still acting, but he played Benny. You know what? Squints is the only one I can confidently say is still acting in adulthood. But it would be interesting to do like a flash forward and it's the 80s. And they all have come back. And maybe there's kids. Maybe they have kids. I don't know. Because, you know, at the end of the Sandlot, they kind of give a synopsis of what everyone's been up to. And Bertram has an interesting wrap up that I think could tie in really nicely to like a 20 years later version. Yeah. Is that just me wanting to have all of my childhood loves come back in a newer version? (laughs) Maybe a little bit. I like, I watched a little bit of the Mighty Ducks reboot with Mm -hmm. you and I don't know. I feel like I would have rather they just left it. I feel like that's how I feel for all of the reboots that they've done even though some of the better ones i feel like if we really wanted to keep these alive just re-release them like put them back in the theater do some marketing for them because it's a lot like the home alone i don't know if that is oh, the home out. the home alones were garbage they should have stopped no, after but- two I remember you were saying not that long ago that they were rebooting Home Alone. Oh yeah, they're going to remake it completely, which I feel like with Ellie Kemper playing the mom, I forget who they announced is going to be the kid. And to me, because John Hughes is such a huge name in the 80s movie game and the 90s movie game, Mm -hmm. to me that just feels wrong. Yeah. Because he's not here to have a say. The reason why Home Alone worked the way it did was because it was his brainchild and he was involved in the project. Mm-hmm. And so, so like with the mighty ducks reboot, Emilio Estevez is involved. He's one of the executive producers and he is back on the show. So for me being the kid who watched those movies when she was younger, I thought they did a really good job in creating a next generation, but is it, but it, again, but to your point that I think maybe you were heading in or what I got out of what you were saying is it just a poor attempt at trying to get the next generation rather than re-releasing what my generation grew up on and saying like, isn't this great? Well, I don't even <laughs> think it's trying to get the next generation. I think it's just trying to capitalize on a brand that they know 
parents will be like, oh, we watched this when I was a kid. So they'll reshow their child the movie and then they'll rewatch it. And if you don't have a kid, you'll just rewatch it because you remember seeing it when you were younger and you want to check it out again. And I feel like a lot of this re-releasing these products has to do with the fact that companies just want to keep their like a some kind of justification to keep the copyright on these ideas and not let them mm. be public domain even though i think now it's like 80 years before stuff gets released in the public yeah, domain it's shortened. again yeah it's shortened no lengthened oh 80 i thought it was 100 no well it, initially it was 28 years until walt disney was like i want to keep this forever well walt disney is a problematic human yeah and i think it's just like a poor thinly veiled attempt to just constantly grab money out of people for the same few series instead of trying to come up with something new and taking a risk Mm. you know i'm gonna have to say you're not that far off because after i watched all of the availables of the mighty ducks game changers Mm -hmm. and also very thrilled to see some of the original cast in episode six thank you (laughs) i 100 100 after that ended turned on mighty ducks (laughs) and then watch the second one but i won't watch the third one because that one's garbage i might watch the third one but i'm not not in the same way that i would like nostalgically crave watching one and two right so thank you for hitting the nail on the head and making me feel like i was totally susceptible to to their ploy (laughs) rude i mean it's not it's, it's like a carefully calculated marketing strategy that these companies put together with billions of dollars. Yeah, obviously. I mean, that's a lot of power because the guy that plays Adam Banks like totally dropped out of acting afterwards. He realized it wasn't for him. So you know that there was a ton of effort and, and work behind getting who they could get to be on that episode, especially yeah. when you think about the guy who plays Goldberg doesn't exactly have the best adult life he's he's had a couple of encounters with the law but i i don't know i i okay so maybe maybe it is just me i would love to see like some sort of like reunion (laughs) of all the cast (laughs) i wonder if they did ever do a reunion because it'll so 93 so in two years it'll be 30 years that it's come out i would hope i you know what i would totally buy a 30 year anniversary edition (laughs) <laughs> if they had like interviews with the cast i think that'd be cool but that's that's different than just like that's an obvious attempt kind of to try and you know it's not it's not the same kind of like i feel like the way that they've been d- doing these reboots it's kind of just like gross and like they're really trying to hide the fact that it's an attempt to just like hemorrhage more money from people yeah you know what actually the reboot conversation would be a really interesting conversation which reboots worked and which reboots didn't and that's completely subjective yeah honey i appreciate you being on the show yeah when i'm old or when i'm dead you're gonna appreciate that this is out there okay (laughs) (laughs) thank you for being here yeah